Welcome to Uncovered, the podcast series that goes behind the headlines to give you an in-depth look at the stories that matter. I'm Kelly Crichton, and on each episode, I'll be joined by the National World Reporters who are working to bring information to light and hold those in power accountable. We'll be revealing the journalistic work that goes into the team's investigations and highlighting some important stories we think you need to know about, but have gone uncovered in the wider media. Today, I'm joined by Harriet Clugston, Data and Investigations Editor for National World, who's been covering the cost of living crisis. As part of this, Harriet has been investigating food inflation. Based on recent surveys it has conducted, the Office for National Statistics estimates 92% of Brits had seen their grocery bill go up, with 39% of adults cutting back on their food shopping. Harriet has also been tracking the price of almost 700 basic range products at Asda, Tesco, Sainsbury's, Morrison's and Aldi, finding many of which continue to rise in price. Hi Harriet, please tell us about food inflation and the statistics that are being shared by the Office for National Statistics. Hi Kelly. Yes, so we all know we're in the midst of a cost of living crisis, which has been driven largely by uh, energy and petrol, but is also affecting food prices. So in April, the Office for National Statistics data showed that food inflation stood at 6.7%, which is lower than the overall level of inflation of 9%, but is still really significant, obviously. So what that means is that in a weighted basket of food products, the ONS found on average items were 6.7% more expensive this April compared to last April. Within that, inflation was highest among oils and fats, uh, with inflation standing at 14.5%. Now, we know the war in Ukraine has impacted on the supply of sunflower oil there, which is pushing prices up. However, there has been very high inflation in this category since before the war began, so that's not what it's all about. And we've also seen really high inflation in miscellaneous food products, such as condiments and ready meals, as well as in some staple um, items such as milk, cheese, eggs, meat and fish. However, of course, um, these inflation figures, they are averages across a broad range of products of varying degrees of essentiality. Uh, And of course, the price rises, they're probably always going to bite a bit more for people who've got less to spend in the first place. So Mm. the people who've got really small margins to make a small amount of money stretch as far as it needs to could really be struggling here. National World has been tracking the price of certain food products too. Tell us about your research, please, and what you have found. Yeah, so we have been trying to gain more insight into the price rises that these poorer shoppers are facing. And as you say, we've been doing this by tracking almost uh, 700 basic value range products at major UK supermarkets. Um, So we've been taking a snapshot of prices on the first Monday of the month for the last few months. Um, Now, most recently, we found that between the start of May and the start of June, 176 of those products have had price rises. So that's 27% of the items that we're tracking went up in price. Um, And during that same period, just for context, only 24 items saw price decreases. So there's a very dominant trend there. Of those products, we also saw 33 items that had price rises for two months in a row now at this point. And that's including um, some cheeses, meat, fruit and tin goods. And of the products that we found that went up in price, they went up by an average of 10.5% in that month. So not an insignificant margin by any means. First of all, we have a look at Tesco, um, which doesn't actually have a single value line anymore because it scrapped it Mm. a few years ago in favour of a cluster of what supermarkets call tertiary brands, which if you like is fake brand names that they're actually Tesco, but they don't say Tesco. Mm-hmm. You might have seen some of these as Stockwell & Co, um, Creamfields Dairy Products, H.M. Neville's Bread and Baked Goods, uh, and a range of others. So we tracked the price of 229 of these products in June, and we found 52 of them had had a price increase since May. Um, so basically 25% mm-hmm. of Tesco's offering had increased during that time. 
Amongst the products affected, the the most significant increase was um, some growers harvest orange juice cartons, which went up by a massive 48% from 40 pence to 59 pence. Um, And there were also 18 products at Tesco that had gone up for two consecutive uh, months in a row. Um, Among them were frozen potato croquettes and uh, packs of sausages. Um, if we turn to Sainsbury's next, um, they used to have a Sainsbury's Basics as well, but they've also got these these fake brands such as J. James and Family, Hubbard's Food mm-hmm. Store and Mary Ann's Dairy. Now of 137 products, we could track month to month, 38 saw price rises, which is 28% of the offering. The biggest are actually among um, laundry liquid and sparkling water, but in terms of the food products, the worst affected item was Mary Ann's Dairy low-fat fruit yogurts, which went up by a third from 60 pence to 80 pence. Um, Morrison's, we tracked the price of only 43 items there in their savers range, of which 20, so 47% of them had price increases. For this month, between May and June, the biggest price rise was for a pack of 10 Sultana scones, which rose by a third from 49 pence to 65 pence. Asda, they had 46 price rises out of 157 items from its smart price range and farm stores, which is its basic meat products. Uh, the most significant there was um, a 24% hike for brown sauce from 45 pence to 56 pence. And Asda is actually in the process of replacing its smart price range with a new brand called Just Essentials, which seems to be being rolled out in batches. So for instance, this month, um, we saw 28 of these smart price products replaced by um, this new brand. But interestingly, eight of those were replaced by a more expensive version compared to four um, being replaced by a cheaper version. So I think that's certainly something that we're going to be watching with interest to see uh, what that whole range looks like once it's rolled out. And finally, uh, we've got Aldi and its Everyday Essentials range. Um, And this one's an interesting one this month because until now, we've not really seen much significant movement in Aldi's prices. Um, They've been pretty stable, but this time around, um, of the 93 items we've been tracking, 20 of them, or about 22%, saw price rises. The most significant being for uh, a pack of peppers, which went up from 96 pence to £1.16, or 21%. Um, so it sort of seems to be going the same way as the other shops now at Aldi. Although I should just point out with these that our tracker um, exclusively looks at value range products. But at Aldi, you do have this uh, situation where there's some items outside the Everyday Essentials line that have the same price point as value range items at other supermarkets, um, but they're outside the scope of our research. Uh, and just to say that you can can find the full list of items affected at every supermarket in our article on nationalworld.com. And you can also see what the supermarkets had to say for themselves. Now, I have spoken to Andrew Forsey, who is the director of the charity Feeding Britain, um, about what they're seeing. And I asked him whether our research was in line with his experience. Unfortunately, Harriet, that experience does chime with ours at Feeding Britain. In particular, those staple items, pasta, rice, bread, minced beef and items of fruit and veg. The price rises in those basic staple items are clobbering households on lower modest incomes. What we've seen over the past year really is three different phases. The first phase, so roughly a year ago in the spring of 21, we found that thanks to a pretty comprehensive package of support that the government have put in place, in particular that £20 a week increase in universal credit, alongside the rollout of schemes like affordable food clubs and school holiday clubs, for the first time in a decade, the queues outside food banks were actually shortening at quite a rapid rate. We then moved into the second phase, so from late summer into autumn and winter, 
where those food bank queues began lengthening again because that £20 a week uh, increase in universal credit was whipped away along with several other support schemes. And then the cost of those basic items really began climbing steadily. And so too did the length of the queues outside food banks. And then thirdly, there's this most recent phase where, thank God, the government looks again at the support that's available to people through the social security system and decided that first in July and then again in the autumn, some quite hefty top-up payments are going to be made to people facing the steepest rises in the cost of living to try and help them through these next few months. I hope we'll begin to see the impacts of that additional support in the queues shortening again outside food banks, but time will tell. In the meantime, life is an enormous struggle for all too many people who have been clobbered by those price rises in basic essentials. And what are the the, the kinds of people that you're helping? Have you noticed that there is uh, possibly a change in the profile? Are these people who are coming to you for help now, perhaps people who've always managed to just get by before and have never really necessarily needed um, support, but now find themselves sort of needing to turn somewhere? We've noticed two developments of Feeding Britain. Firstly, there are groups who have long had to rely on charitable food assistance in order to get by, namely families of children and people who are disabled or living with a long-term health condition. And we've seen their poverty deepen and get even worse in recent months. Secondly, we've seen new groups of people those in both part-time and full-time work, for example, as well as people above the pension age, who for the first time in their lives now are struggling to put food on the table and are therefore having to ask for help. Not necessarily from a food bank, it's important to add, because for some people in those groups, for reasons of pride or stigma or shame, they feel as though they cannot or will not access a food bank. But certainly in the projects that Feeding Britain has set up, those pantries, social supermarkets and food clubs, we're beginning to see people in those two groups in fairly significant numbers for the first time. Campaigners, including Jack Monroe, are saying that figures from the Office for National Statistics don't fully represent the scale of the problem for poorer households. What are they saying? Yeah, so listeners might remember earlier this year, uh, the food blogger Jack Monroe went viral with a tweet criticising the ONS's overall measure of inflation because she said it misrepresented the inflation low-income households face because Mm -hmm. of the nature that it it, it averages out a big range of products. And there's all sorts of products included, including um, luxury and non-essential items besides basic necessities. Mm -hmm. Um, The Office for National Statistics has since attempted to measure inflation for the cheapest groceries. Uh, They released new data at the end of last month on this, in fact, tracking the price of 30 food and non-alcoholic drinks at seven supermarkets. Their initial research found that while there had been significant price increases in the average cost of some of these products um, in the year to April, by as much as 15% for some types of product, the overall inflation, um, they said, was about the same as it was for food and drink as a whole. I do think, though, that this has been over-interpreted in some quarters, um, Mm. particularly the Daily Telegraph, which said that the data showed that Jack Monroe had been wrong in what she'd said. The ONS has cautioned in very strong terms that its data is highly experimental and it could have been heavily impacted by some of the methodological choices they've made. And for instance, if they've substituted items in their analysis, if it wasn't available from one month to the next. Mm -hmm. I would also just add to that that the ONS wasn't actually measuring value range items per se, which is what Jack Monroe had been talking about. 
um, they're measuring the cheapest item available. So that means if one shop didn't have a value range item, they'd have used the next cheapest item at that shop in their analysis. And if there's one thing that we've learned in our research, it's that actually the provision of entry-level products at supermarkets is very patchy and they often don't mm. all have matching items across their ranges. So, for instance, if you'd have wanted to look at the price of a bag of frozen mixed veg, only Tesco and Sainsbury's have got a value range product of that, as the Morrison's and Aldi do not. So if the ONS is measuring the cheapest product, you've probably got quite a bit of variation going on there, especially considering um, that they found on average the second cheapest product is about 20% more expensive than the cheapest products in across the shops. Here's Andrew Forsey again, who I asked about whether he thought Jack Monroe's assertion was correct. Well, there are a few stronger champions in our country for people on low incomes than Jack Monroe. And I think the points that Jack has raised around the impacts on household budgets and price rises for certain food items is crucial. Of course, what we see at Feeding Britain is that often when pressures are being applied to the household budget, food is the first item to be sacrificed because no one kicks you out or sends you to jail if you don't buy food, whereas they could do if you don't pay the rent or the bills. So I think any action that we can have taken from the government, whether it's through maximising the registration rates for Healthy Start, for example, maximising registration rates for free school meals, ensuring that people in work on low wages aren't unfairly discriminated from those sorts of schemes, I think we've got to throw everything at this problem because as we've seen from Jack's research and the research of so many others, as well as our own day-to-day experience at Feeding Britain, when the prices of things go up, people are hungry because food is the first item that they sacrifice from the budget. I think you've touched on this a bit as well, but we're not just talking about putting food on the table, I suppose, but putting good food on the table. And a lot of the time you'll see people go, well, a bag of pasta is 50p. You can't have a, a balanced and healthy diet just by eating bags of pasta. Is there a particular concern about the health element here and, you know, the, the amount that it's costing to, for instance, you know, get your seven fruit and veg a day that the NHS would recommend? We have huge concerns both around people's ability to afford and access nutritious or decent food, but also the ability they have to then store that food and prepare it at home. Across Feeding Britain, we're hearing from families who have disconnected their fridges and freezers, who are frightened even to use their cooker to prepare food. And in some cases, people are unscrewing or removing light bulbs to try and save every penny they can on gas and electricity. So that the concern is twofold on how to actually afford and buy food and then prepare and cook it at home. We have some further statistics from the Trussell Trust around food bank usage. Can you take us through these, please? Yeah, it wasn't long ago that the Trussell Trust, which is a, a food bank charity, released its end of year statistics on how, how many parcels it had sent out at its network of food banks in England. And they showed that they had given out 14% more emergency food parcels in the year ending the March just gone compared to the last pre-pandemic year. So they gave out 2.2 million parcels during that time, including 830,000 to children. That was down on 2020-21, but I think we should remember that we were in an unprecedented economic situation due to Mm. COVID that year. What the charity is saying now is that their food banks are telling them people are skipping meals to feed their children as the cost of living crisis bites. And they think the problem is only set to get worse as their communities are pushed deeper into financial hardship. And what has the government been saying or doing about all of this? 
I think a lot of the um, early cost of living support was focused on energy bills, Mm -hmm. which isn't unrelated to food because, as Feeding Britain says, a lot of concern in the sector is not just about putting food on the table, it's about being able to afford the energy to store and prepare the food as well. But at the end of last month, the government did announce what the Institute for Fiscal Studies described as a genuinely big package of support for families. Mm -hmm. So this includes a £650 payment in two lump sums that's going to go to 8 million households on means-tested benefits to help them through the crisis. Although Feeding Britain does say that there's definitely still more to be done, for instance, through tackling housing and childcare costs that are putting a lot of pressure on families too. Okay, and have the supermarkets responded to criticism around food price rises? Well, every supermarket bar Aldi had responded by the time I'm speaking now. Mm -hmm. They all said that they're doing everything that they can to keep their prices down despite the economic situation that they're facing. So Tesco, for instance, said it is keeping a laser focus on the cost of the weekly shop, while Sainsbury's said that they know customers are counting every penny, so they are relentlessly focusing on keeping prices low. And you can read all of their responses in full in our article at nationalworld.com. Okay, and what help is available to people who are struggling? Well, one thing that Andrew Forsey was very keen to talk about is um, making sure people check they are claiming for the support that they're eligible for. In particular, mm-hmm. he gives the example of the Healthy Start programme from the NHS. Um, this mm-hmm. entitles pregnant women or families with children aged under four who are on a low income to vouchers to help them buy healthy food and milk products. Um, The last data actually from uh, this March just gone showed that there are more than 140,000 eligible households in England that aren't claiming their vouchers. Um, There are also 6,000 people in Wales and 5,000 in Northern Ireland. So you should definitely have a look at that um, and you can Mm -hmm. apply for that scheme through the NHS website. Just Google Healthy Start NHS should take you there. He also had these words of advice as well. My first piece of advice would be to reach out to your local council because they may be able to offer some direct support to you and your family, or they may be able to point you in the direction of a community group on your doorstep or just down the road who can provide such support. So if you're in need of help, please don't be frightened to ask, because the chances are somebody out there not too far from where you live is able to help you through these tough times. Thank you for joining me today, Harriet. You can find this and associated stories on nationalworld.com. You can follow us on Twitter at National World, on Facebook at National World UK and on Instagram at National World One. I'll be back again soon with more analysis of the stories that matter. 